0: What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded
1: dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Alright, welcome back to another Top 10 Tuesdays with Bearded B-Roll. Today we're going to be talking about the... There's a whole bunch of different ways to say it, isn't there? We're going to be talking about the Top 10 Best Comedies of the 1990s. Not the 1890s, not the 2090s. The 1990s.
0: Why do you like this? You're so Dude, You did
1: this. I'm like literally parroting the joke you did the other day when you were like, Today we're going to be talking about his house, not my house, not your house, his house.
0: I know, but when I did it, it was still corny and stupid. Why would you want to imitate that?
1: I don't know. I don't All know. Right,
0: number one.
1: No, 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 no. Count down. All right, but I'm going to start at eight. Why? Because it's my number one. What do you say we start at number 10? So, first, what were you thinking when you made this list? Was there a particular um,
0: at First, I was thinking, huh, every time I think something's from the 90s, I'm usually wrong.
1: <laughs> I had and a couple it's the of
0: the 2000s. So then I was like, all right. So I looked up movies from the 90s because, you know, to make sure I was on the right track, and then I realized that that is apparently where all my movie fandom is and it's specifically, like, 1998 for some reason.
1: Okay, so most of the movies you picked are from 1998?
0: A good chunk, which makes sense. I would have been 10, although that doesn't mean that I should have watched most of these movies.
1: Yeah, I think we've already, like, firmly established that there was not a great, like, age requirement on you in films based on some (laughs) of the... Just based on some of the shit you said.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, when I was in, like, the third grade and the, the teacher, like, made that little chart to get to know you, and they're like, what's your favorite movie? And I put Evil Dead and like now that I think about that, like probably shouldn't have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> your teacher was just making little notes in her notepad. Like <laughs> Watch this one. Or like, avoid this at parent conferences. Yeah, for me, I was trying to pick more, more or less things that sort of uh, encapsulated the 90s. You know? I know,
0: you did that thing that you love to do. You told me that you literally just were like, I want a list of movies from the 90s. And then I'm like, okay, well, I got this. And then you went, I made a list of movies that remind me of the 90s. That's a different thing. Well, I focused on,
1: you know, 90s comedy, so that's still a thing. But, I mean, you know, when you think back to, like, different decades of cinema, you know, there's different qualities to each one, right? 70s, we have black exploitation, big cars, terrible gunfights. You know, the 80s, we had a lot of uh, terrible outfits and really big hair. And then in the 90s, we had, you know, rampant homophobia for laughs and weird sexually questionable situations that just would not fly today. So my number 10 is uh, from 1994, and it's PCU. So PCU was um, basically a comedy centered around uh, undergraduate students who all looked like they were in their 30s, and um, basically the idea of everyone protesting everything. So they have a campus full of people protesting white people, protesting black people, protesting meat eaters, protesting leather wearers uh there's some guy at one point who's screaming free nelson mandela and someone reminds him they freed him already um so i just thought it was kind of a it was it was a very ridiculous movie has a lot of standout scenes in it george clinton has a cameo and i think we went over this before but anything that has george clinton in it uh as a cameo i automatically like for some reason
0: it's still weird
1: you remember pcu right did you have like a
0: yeah i didn't watch that one that many times though so i, I don't remember all that much about each other than Jeremy Piven was kind of, like, a weird dick in it, but, like, also the hero.
1: Well, yeah, they were, like, some kind of weird slacker frat, and then there was also the preppy frat run by, like, David Spade.
0: To be fair, it was a pretty typical college comedy for, like, the early 90s. There's always, like, one frat versus another frat, and then, like, some weird stoner guy as the the main character. It followed the formula of,
1: like, the classic... Uh, college movie but I mean it was kind of it was kind of weird on its own though like it didn't it didn't quite fit it there was like something really off about it and I don't know if it was the fact that everyone was the wrong age or just like the weird factor of it but it was uh, but I think one of the more important things of it is or at least what makes it relevant today you know in, in the climate of cancel culture is just how it kind of pokes fun at being politically correct in every way and um,
0: also though now that i'm thinking about this because of another one on my list but like what transitioned david spade from being like this weird clean cut like uptight character (laughs) to all of a sudden being like joe dirt and like always like some shitty pedo-esque uncle that's a good point
1: like when when did that shift actually take place because he played the, (laughs) the straight man character for like a long time tommy boy pcu he was just always like the little weaselly douchebag guy in you know like the members only either the bad
0: guy or at least like the character's sidekick that you don't like
1: i'm not sure when that transition happened he like flipped
0: all right um
1: all right what about you what's your number 10
0: my number 10 is the night at the roxbury from 1998 and i got really weird with these notes and i don't know why considering i barely write my notes half the time
1: oh i love this was directed
0: By John Fortenberry and written by Steve Corin and Will Farrell. um, about two brothers, uh, Steve and Doug Butabi, who work for their rich dad at like a flower, like a fake flower place, right? Like they make fake flower bouquets. Dan
1: Hedaya was the dad, right?
0: Yeah. And then while they're doing that, their like dream is to go and open a nightclub and like marry like random party girls, and the dad's trying to set up like uh, Will Farrell with molly shannon so they can combine. what is their business i forget what it is but they wanted to combine flowers and whatever her business was into some weird amalgamation and like this weird 15th century type like arranged marriage yeah Yeah.
1: i I can't remember what their business was but the dad was super focused on that i forgot about that whole that's like half of the movie right there actually the the whole will ferrell thing i haven't seen it in a long time
0: and then the dad just shitting on chris katan's character the whole time
1: don't forget about their, like, super bromance crush on uh, Richard
0: Grieco. Yeah, that well, that's just because Will Ferrell has that one story and how they bump into him when they're trying to, uh, I guess, pitch the nightclub to him or something. Don't they, like, accidentally hit his car or something, though? It's something weird like that, but, like, this movie has a bunch of standout scenes. I think the number one one is one everybody knows where they're, like, apparently choreographed some weird car dance and Will Ferrell <laughs> smashes out his side mirror. But there's also the, um, the scene that I think we used to do in Blockbuster when we worked together for some reason with it, did you just touch my ass? While someone's like across the room from you. So that's what I got for that. Number nine. All right, so number nine was hard for me and I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. So I just went with the first one and it's Wayne's World from 1992 directed by Penelope Spheris and written by Michael Myers and... This one will come think, up again.
1: I think he just goes by Mike Myers. I don't think he's like a murderer in
0: Haddonfield. <laughs> no, 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 no. Michael Myers. Um, so it stars Mike Myers. Another common thing with the 90s is the writer slash and or director being in the movie as the big character. And Dana Carvey and they're, they're two like stoner metal head guys that have a cable access show like a PBS type thing where they just talk about music and uh the whole show is just about them trying to like or the whole movie is about them trying to promote that show and then like they're do they have a band? Why do I keep thinking they do but they don't. It's the, um no, they don't have a band. The they're love just... interest that's played by uh well, surface. But that's part 2.
1: That's no, nah, Tia Carrere is in the first one cuz that's the whole that's the whole thing with fucking um Rob Lowe trying to you know, get into That's her right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's trying to get famous as a rock star and they're trying to help her too.
1: So Wayne doesn't have a band but he does enjoy music because he keeps going to the store and like lusting after that um, Stratocaster.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I will give an awkward pause now. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Number
1: nine. My number nine is American Pie from 1999.
0: So The reason I didn't put that on my list is because of the fact that, oddly enough, that was one of those movies I wasn't allowed to watch.
1: I don't understand what your mother was like.
0: There's a lot of off and on with it.
1: Well, anyway, let's talk about American Pie. Basically, the concept was a whole bunch of, you know, all American teenagers are... The goal was to get laid before summer, right?
0: Yeah, it was a very they... wholesome, very American movie—baseball, apple pie type stuff, right?
1: No, no, it's it's like the kind of movie where somebody fucks an apple pie because someone told him that's what a vagina feels like. Um, it's more refined than like the '80s movies of the same topic, you know? Like it's it's more—I don't know—it's more—it's not—it's not necessarily intellectual, but it has a much stronger like emotional component to it than the Comedy's
0: than... The comedy is smarter while slapsticky at the same time
1: a little yeah it's it's i don't know and it it has like an emotional core too you know like the the dad is like really understanding of the son even though maybe he shouldn't be all the time um
0: know, (laughs) doesn't he do something with socks like doesn't the dad like come in and like touch the crusty socks and he's like oh
1: no that's the opening scene of the movie the kid's like sitting there on his bed and he starts touching himself and he's doing the thing where like you used to be able to get like the playboy channel and shit on like scrambled on your tv if you didn't actually subscribe to it you could hear it and you could see like weird images of stuff so that's what he's watching he's like oh it's coming in pretty clear today and he starts touching himself and he's like oh better get that and he takes a sock to put it on his on his dick and then like all of a sudden his mother walks in while he's pleasuring himself and she's got like a you know a thing of laundry and she's like hey honey i oh my god what's that and the father comes in and he's just like oh 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 honey that's just that's just bad reception right there. And the kid's sitting there with the sock on his dick, like and (laughs) just turning like brick red. And uh, the dad's like, that's just bad reception. We just need to, and all of a sudden the TV goes, oh yeah, spank my hairy ass. And the mother's like, what did he just say? And the kid's just sitting there like dying. And the father goes, give me the remote. And he goes to grab the remote and also yanks the sock off of the kid's dick. That happens like all before the title sequence. So basically this movie, just like from the absolute beginning, lets you know exactly what you're in for. It, it's like, hey, we're going to be raunchy, we're going to have a good time, and it's only going to get worse from here. And, you know, it pretty much lives up to that. But I think it's the movie that pretty much popularized the use of the word MILF, right? I don't think people were really using it as much. Yeah, I think so. Until that scene where John Cho and that other guy are, like, looking at a picture of Stifler's mom and, and just chanting MILF. Then there's the whole gilf thing in American Wedding, but we're not going to get into that right now.
0: Yeah, they started that whole trend of all those. All right, so now... We move on to number eight.
1: All right. So my number eight is one that I think is a little lesser known, but I'm, I know you, you know it. It's Freaked from 1993. Yes. So we've got Alex Winter starring in it. I think he might have also directed it, too. Keanu Reeves has a cameo. He's not credited at all. He just shows up as Ortiz the dog boy like two times. I think at one point he's dressed up like a milkman.
0: Yeah. That's why I was surprised he wasn't credited because he gives him like inspirational like words at one point before chasing after like a ball or something.
1: They're just friends in real life, so I guess they thought it would be funnier if they didn't credit him. I don't. I don't know.
0: It's like be in my movie, Keanu is like yeah, but like don't link me to that.
1: Everybody knew it was Keanu Reeves. I mean, but this was a fun balls to the wall, over the top take on like you know Todd Browning's 1932 classic Freaks.
0: I don't think it was over the top. I think it was pretty. Dude, it was
1: pretty fucking over the top. It had like a lot of claymation effects. It was everything. It was like watching somebody else's nightmare and loving it. And one of the best parts of this movie was, was honestly Mr. T playing the bearded lady. Uh, what about you? What's your, what's your
0: number eight? So my number eight is um, Robin Hood Men in Tights from 1993. Right, right. Directed by Mel Brooks and written by J.T. J.D. Shapiro and Evan Chandler. They did the story. This is one of those ones where it was like fifty-seven people were writing on it. Um, this is probably my favorite version of the Robin Hood story, though, because I feel like this is the most real. This is number one, and then it's followed by the Disney one with the foxes.
1: I think there was just one fox, wasn't there? Or was the was Lady was Maid Marian Maid, a fox? Yeah, too?
0: Maid Marian was a fox too. But this whole movie is, is it's Robin Hood, but it's also just mostly just him trying to get into uh, Marion's pants.
1: Right, because she's got this, like, over-the-top chastity belt
0: thing. Yeah, so he has to, like, go on, like, this adventure to find the key or whatever. So, I don't really know if there's, like, a reason. Like, there's not much of a description to this movie. It's just, like, I think the end is, like, the best part when, like, the king comes back. And, like...
1: Wasn't the king uh, Jean-Luc Picard?
0: yeah. But isn't doesn't he come back and he's like, Oh no, yeah, I bless this and stuff, but uh I get to test her out first.
1: He might have. The thing the thing I remember is him naming all the toilets after the Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh,
0: that's right. Well the Sheriff of Rottingham.
1: That's Rottingham. What right, there. sorry. Cause yeah, the guy's name was John and he was like, From henceforth all the toilets in this kingdom shall be named John's which I think they would have even been using like chamber pots and like bushes at the time. I don't think they had toilets back in Robin Hood <laughs> times, so but it's Mel Brooks, so you don't really like question the logic of it too much.
0: No, no, no. There's a whole bunch of weird crap that just comes out of nowhere with it.
1: What about you uh, for your number seven? What's your number seven?
0: I forgot what order we were in. Major Pain was from 1995 was my number seven.
1: Uh, other than Damon Wayans, who, who else was in it?
0: Uh, Michael Ironsides. Uh, the kid's name was Orlando Brown. And for whatever reason, another thing from the 90s I found weird is women got really low billing on these. Like his love interest played by Karen Parsons was like a major part of the movie, but she was like on the second page. Like I had to click more actresses or actors to find her name on it. I'm like, what is that? Oh,
1: she played. She was the co-star. In, uh, she yeah. Was in Fresh Prince. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But for some reason she was like bottom build in this movie for some reason. Um. Anyway, Major Payne is about uh, Major Benson Payne after he gets discharged from the army. He's having trouble assimilating back into society and then like his commanding officer or something calls him and like gives him a special mission and it ends up being just being like a caretaker drill sergeant person at like a kid's military academy.
1: Was it a military? I haven't seen it in a long time. Was it it's a like military a school, academy? So it's a
0: boarding school, like a military school.
1: So it wasn't like a, um,
0: like a punishment
1: type thing, right? It I don't like-
0: think so. I mean, the, I know where you're going with that because the kids he worked with were, like, troublemakers. But then if you think about it, there's also... There, this was, like, along the lines of, like, one of those, like, like, what we were talking about before with the movies where it's, like, the teacher goes and gets the bad class and has to, like, make them better. That's this, but in a comedic way.
1: All right. My number seven is Tommy Boy.
0: See, now you suck. Why do I suck? Because that's my number one.
1: Oh, shit. Well... I mean, we can both talk about it. Tommy as far Boy, as, like,
0: most nostalgical like m- most nostalgia movies from the 90s, I would say Tommy Boy and Black Sheep do it for me.
1: Well, and you know, Chris Farley had a very like brief career. He, you know, he died at age 33 from a drug overdose, just like John Belushi.
0: Tommy Boy, he was my idol. I was actually, I've never been sad when celebrities died except for him.
1: Well, I mean, it was also he was just a very like vibrant, alive person. So to hear that he was dead was just like it just sounded wrong.
0: You know, yeah. All right. So,
1: 1995, I think it was the best example of like the uh David Spade, Chris Farley kind of dichotomy. Like it was just the perfect balance of like oafish moron and like sarcastic straight man. Um but somehow they both managed to kind of be lovable throughout the course of it. David Spade not so much, but maybe by the end, you know, you start to appreciate him a little bit more. But
0: it's because you feel bad for him by the end, car gets torn apart.
1: Oh god, that scene though with the fucking deer! Remember, they he was like making fun of him, and he like hit the deer, and they're like, "Oh my god, what do we do? Should we take it to the vet? And take dead animals to the vet? I'll take you to the vet." <laughs> it was still in the car, right? Like it was. Yeah, like it like looks
0: up and then like starts ripping the shit apart out of everything. Was the door missing at this point, or no? I think the door ever... already. That they used like uh like a. Like a baby gate thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) There was, I mean, it was like
0: flying out
1: the second you start that movie from the moment David Spade says like, no eating in the car. i like to keep the car clean. You know, that car is fucked. Like,
0: (laughs) well, then he immediately drops M&Ms down like the the heating.
1: Yeah. They like go in the, (laughs) the heating vents. But, um, I don't know. It was also just kind of a sad movie. Really? Like the whole thing with the dad. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it just had so many, so many classic moments in it. Like I quote Tommy Boy all the time. Like anytime anybody around me stumbles on their words or doesn't know what the hell they're saying, I go like, "Wait, it's got to be your bull." Because <laughs> there's that scene where he's trying to say, you know, I can get a good look at a t-bone by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. And he like that was his dad's saying, and he like finally gets it right at the end. But the first time he says it, he's just like, "Yeah, well, you can get a good look at your butcher by sticking your head." Uh, ass. Wait, it's got to be your bull, and it—they <laughs> did not get that sale. But um so that was my number seven, Tommy Boy. It's—it's it's a movie I haven't seen in a long time, mostly because it's not streaming anywhere. I should probably just buy it. But
0: is it really not? I swear I saw it somewhere recently. Oh, they took it off Netflix.
1: They took everything off Netflix. Netflix is all. I—I I, I go to Netflix now, and my continue watching row is like three movies long.
0: What's your number six? <laughs>
1: Uh, my number six, and I think, I, I, I guess I could roll them into one, but my number six is The Addams Family.
0: I knew you were going to pick that, too. I didn't ever actually picture you as being a huge Adams Family fan until recently, because you keep talking about it in, like, every episode. It's almost up there with Kill Bill now. It just keeps coming up.
1: But I, I don't know. I loved it because it was it was super dark for what it was, and, you know, it was one of those things that, like, it was kind of marketed toward kids, kind of marketed toward adults, but then you have this kind of, like, Like a lot of sexual tension between Morticia back when Angelica Houston was hot and the guy that plays Gomez, Um, Raul Julia, I think was his name. And so there's that. And then there's the whole like, you know, Wednesday sitting around taking poison for fun and like putting Pugsley in an electric chair and, you know, a lot of jokes about death. And like, it's kind of funny because it was the kind of movie that like people let their kids watch. Like I watched it when I was a kid. And it was rated PG-13 and everything, but, like, if somebody was trying to make a family-friendly movie today, I mean, it's not the kind of jokes that, like, go over your head. Like, you can be eight years old and be like, damn, Gomez and Morticia about to fuck. Like, there is no confusion there at all.
0: Which one is it where Uncle Fester, like, doesn't remember who he is and is vaguely a bad guy?
1: Oh, that's that's the first one, because it, like, opens up with Fester having been, like, lost for 30 years in, like, a shipwreck or something, and he... Gets introduced to the family again as Uncle Fester, but this woman thinks she's just like presenting them with her adopted son or whatever, and she's going to screw them out of all their money. But it actually is Fester; he just was lost his memory when this woman found him or whatever. Um, all right, it is your turn to do
0: number six. All right, so I know you'll already shit on it because you hate the main actor in this as it is i do (laughs) yeah 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 you've you've always busted my balls for all the movies of his that i like so it's uh son-in-law which i think is the least offensive to you from what (laughs) i remember talking about them from 1993 starring paulie shore it's it's this farm girl goes off to the big city college in california and befriends like paulie shore who i don't think there is a description for the characters he plays because no, he well, he's, her he's the only one he's the, he's R A. but yeah. i meant like his 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 overall demeanor like this weird loud upbeat stoner i
1: think stoner glam rock would probably be the easiest way to describe it
0: kind of but then he doesn't like behave all that much like a stoner because he's so loud and ridiculous they have his character acting
1: in like the way like you know, flamboyantly gay characters were portrayed in, like, 80s sitcoms, but he's not gay in any of them.
0: No, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That's kind of, like, all of his characters. So, anyway, she goes off to, like, the college in, like, California or something, bumps into Polish Shore, they become friends. He's her RA, and for whatever reason, she brings him home to visit her family. And it's just the most ridiculous, like, Robio and Juliet story from then on, because... He's not, they're not a couple, but they like slowly start to get feelings for each other. No, no, she, pre- she makes him pretend to be
1: That's her boyfriend because like the guy she doesn't want to date is about to propose to her in front of like every single person she's ever met in her life. So then he proposes to her and she's sitting there like horrified and she says like, do something to him. And he goes, Wait, hey bro, you can't marry her because I already asked her. And she said, yes. <laughs> That's right. And everybody's like, really? Wow. And she's like, that's the best you could come up with.
0: It's another very common thing in the 90s. Uh, but the best scene in that one is when he's like shoveling pig shit and like singing about it.
1: The best scene in that one is when he walks out of the store when she's trying to get him like cowboy clothes and he's got the assless chaps on but nothing underneath.
0: I mean, that's how you wear assless chaps, isn't it?
1: No, it's not.
0: So for number five, I put Can't Hardly Wait because um, I don't know why oh, when I was a kid. What? Is yours on there?
1: No, I forgot about that one. I like just watched it the other day.
0: I was in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt. So this was like a weird one for me when I was a kid. Cause it wasn't like, I didn't just watch it. Cause I thought it was funny. does I mean, to be fair, a lot of the humor in this movie is like way over a child's head. It is all pretty much adult stuff from Seth green, carrying around a bag full of like incense and lube and condoms. The <laughs> whole movie <laughs>
1: And candles. There were candles in there. Too.
0: Candles, yeah, that's what it was. It, wasn't it was, it was just like I am like pretty sure if like a cop stopped him, they'd arrest him and say it was a rape kit. To like the, the the three nerdy guys that were hanging out on like the roof watching the party while the other guy incepted it, and they had like some chart on how much liquor he could drink based off body mass
1: that did like, not work at all, actually, not,
0: <laughs> work, not even a little bit. But like they did do the classic: uh, she's going on a plane, so run down through like the escalators of the airport and catcher thing.
1: Nah, he was going on a train.
0: One of them was. I don't know. It doesn't matter. She ran to him, he ran to her. It doesn't matter. I guess it's better that she did it. Turns around the creepy factor a little bit.
1: Well, that was because she like, there was that whole awkward scene where she finally read the letter that he's been writing for like four years and rewriting it, but she just got hit on by like everybody in the party, and he finally like is ready to reveal his feelings to her.
0: Including like her cousin, right? Like her cousin tries to pick her up.
1: Yeah, her cousin, like, starts kissing her at one point,
0: and he's like... I remember even as a kid, that one, uh, I understood why that was weird. That was, like, (laughs) gross. But now, Jennifer Love Hewitt was, like,
1: a big thing, and, like, you can't not have a crush on her when you're a kid, you know what I mean? Whether you're watching something stupid like House Arrest, or Can't Hardly Wait, like, it's, like, undenial.
0: This had to have been before uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, right? Because...
1: It might have been around the same time, actually, but, I mean, she was... Supposed to be more like cracked out looking, in yeah, you know, I I know he did last summer, so I know she
0: looks a lot older in that one for some reason to me. So, if it is like the same time, that's crazy. Makeup is good, I guess. And then again, they could have been trying to, well, no, she was a high school student, both. Why would they need to make her look younger in one than the other?
1: It's a good question.
0: Well, standout scenes for this one are gonna be just Seth Green. Oh, come on, what
1: about when Eric Balfour, I can't pronounce his name, he like licks the brownie off of the girl's face, says, I don't want to waste this. Cause it was like a pot brownie.
0: That's pretty good. No, I just like the scene in like the, the 7-Eleven or whatever, where he's like explaining his plans on how he's going to like fuck girls. And then he shows like all the gross shit that's in his backpack. I had this weird obsession with the idea of wearing goggles because of him. Like, oh. I remember wanting to. I never Why? did it. I don't it know. Wasn't even, it it's wasn't just like the
1: thing. he was not the cool character in that movie. Nothing about that said be like this character. He was meant to be like the loser.
0: I was 10 years old, man. I thought he was cool. <laughs> I was like, I like that look. He's weird, but I like that look. I also just assume that everybody in high school was a virgin trying to not be one anymore. Turns out, that's not even close true. true. Most people in middle school already aren't.
1: Fuck, man. Um, so my number five, and I know this one was probably on your list, because I know you love this movie. and I'm being really sarcastic right now. And it's probably... One of the only movies on my list that is not specifically like, hey, because the 90s was like this, and it's The Big Lebowski from 1997.
0: Haha, I'm going to fuck with you, because I hate that movie. 98,
1: 98. I said I was being sarcastic. I know you oh. hate The Big Lebowski.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never got that movie. I've never got it. When
1: I wrote it down in the paper, I was like, I'm going to hear some shit about this one. No, I, I love it's The Big Lebowski.
0: Funny, people make it sound.
1: It is funny. It's one of the Coen Brothers' like most most offbeat movies, I think, and it's just like John Goodman is fantastic in it, especially when he constantly says "Shut the fuck up, Donnie. every time. John Steve Goodman Schenny is speaks. my low
0: key like
1: your spirit animal.
0: No, like favorite actors that I never remember is my favorite actor until I'm watching him in a movie that he's in that's not Dan from Roseanne.
1: He's always like the he's an character
0: actor, but he's also like this massive and. Very, very that's John Goodman. Like there's no you can't look at him and have him disguise himself. So like the characters he puts on have to be that much more extreme and it's awesome usually. I love him from um what's the movie where he's like, Oh my god, with George Clooney, why can't I think of it? Saggy bo- soggy bottom boys oh uh oh brother where
1: art thou yeah because he plays like the klu klux klan leader guy no no he's the he's well he is that but he's also the cyclops Cyclops, yeah Yeah.
0: because he's it's all based off the iliad and the odyssey right yeah yeah that's like one of my favorites because he's so nice and convincing until he's a bad guy
1: (laughs) yeah no he was he he's he's so likable but he's so good at playing a bad guy too that's the weird thing about it because like even in like raising arizona he's like like a you know affable like rednecky guy until he's like a villain
0: yeah i would say he's up there with gary oldman as far as being able to be different characters but the difference being that like he can't really hide who he is
1: you always know it's john goodman yeah. whereas <laughs> it's the you know, to the gary oldman you might be like oh shit that's gary oldman but i mean and the big lebowski just had so many classic moments in it for me like when the guy pees on his rug and he's like oh come on man it really tied the room together and then this whole like weird mystery mystery noir plot stems from the fact that he just wants a new rug and he's like listening to the terrible advice of his friends it turns into a kidnapping thing there are like german nihilists that were part of a techno band um there are missing the german totals. nihilist
0: thing always fucked me up because he just referred to him as the german nihilist which was like so so descriptive
1: and he was constantly drinking like white russians and then there was that scene where he had sex with julianne moore and she starts like rocking back and forth like a little baby with her her knees above her And he's like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, it increases the chances of conception. And he like spits out his drink. Did you say increases? Um, So basically, The Big Lebowski is an amazing comedy, acid trip, mystery, noir thriller. And I highly recommend it. Even if you don't like it, you're going to walk away from it like, well, that was fucking weird.
0: What's your number four?
1: All right. My number four is a cinematic classic like no other cinematic classic Bill Murray called it the greatest film of the century, and it is barely, barely able to get on this list because it came out in 1990, and it is what should always be recognized as a fantastic film. The one, the only, Frankenhooker.
0: I've never seen that movie.
1: It's this fantastic movie about this guy who's dating this girl. She's a little overweight. She's been trying diets, and nothing's working for her, and she gets him a brand-new lawnmower for his birthday. And then there's a malfunction with it, and he basically murders her at his birthday party accidentally. Cuts her up into a bunch of pieces. So he's like a, like a programmer tech guy or something. So he realizes that he can like freeze her head or something. I don't remember if he froze it, but he, I'm pretty sure he freezes it. And he goes on this mission, because her body's like destroyed, and he goes on this mission to like find the perfect body parts. So he starts like hiring hookers to like evaluate their body parts. And uh, he's like, well, how do I kill them? I don't want to just murder people. Well, they all do crack anyway. What if I just made a new kind of crack that was even better? So he like goes down to his basement and synthesizes explosive crack, basically. So once the hookers take the crack, like five minutes later, they just explode. And he doesn't feel bad because they were going to probably kill themselves a crack anyway. Um, So I now
0: know where your list of things that wouldn't fly today comes from. It's this one. This is the one.
1: This is definitely one of them. I, it's it's just it turns into this whole thing. There's like a great scene where like all these hookers are exploding at the same time at one point because he like accidentally started a hooker party that he didn't mean to, and they're all like, "Oh my god, great crack!" So they all like do the crack, and he's like, "No, no, please, please don't take the crack." And there's like twelve hookers that are just like ticking time bombs. If they
0: out. explode, how does one use their body?
1: Uh, he uses the parts that fly off, I guess. Um, <laughs> so
0: it. It's like oh, good, an arm up to the elbow. That's exactly the part I was looking for. It's beautiful.
1: It's the most romantic, thought-provoking, sci-fi thriller comedy that I think has been produced in the last 45 years.
0: I like this woman's purple bra, though. This looks sweet. Doesn't Yeah, you think anything. it would go it with your, your pennies? Change. It might. It might. I mean, it'll definitely make my nipples look good. They already look good. Why <laughs> is this a movie? <laughs> <laughs> ah, gross. That scar. That Oh, man. Her head looks like it's actually on wrong. okay oh i don't know what we were doing i forgot
1: what's your number four
0: um half baked from 1998 because most of my movies are from 1998 because i think that was an age in which i was more able to understand things
1: i'm not gonna lie i did not really like half baked except for that one
0: part how could you what anyway this stars dave Chappelle, written by dave Chappelle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's got Jim Brewer, Harold Williams, um, and Guillermo Diaz, who I think is, like, the least well-known of those guys. The whole point of the movie was that uh, Dave Chappelle and his friends are trying to get their friend Kenny out of jail after he accidentally kills a police horse by giving it, like, stoner snacks after he runs oh, yeah, out. Yeah, he
1: was giving it, like,
0: Funyuns and shit, right? <laughs> yeah, and it had, like, diabetes and it had, like, a diabetic just, like shock or whatever and died. And then you get like charged with like murdering a cop or something. And he's like hard prison <laughs> time. And they're he's like a kindergarten teacher, like stoner kindergarten teacher. And they they decide they're gonna sell drugs in order to earn the money for his bail or whatever. Which character, which actor was the one that got imprisoned? That was um Harland Williams. Oh okay it's the dude from from Rocket Man and stuff. I loved that guy back then in the nineties. But I think no David duchovny's part in this movie is the best one was it him he's the one where everything's better on pot right
1: dude i don't remember
0: yeah i know i'm pretty sure it was him there's so many like comedy comedy actors in this because it was comedy comedy actors there because of dave Chappelle. no it wasn't him who's the daytime talk show host guy that was famous trevor noah does his show now john stewart john stewart yeah screw david company john stewart was the best part of the movie because he was like, you ever watch Shawshank Redemption on oh, weed? And he just kept doing it. He had like a huge list. And then like in the movie, they're like, yeah, he's the worst kind of customer. And like, uh, is, it, is it Charlie Murphy that plays the main bad guy? Dude, I don't remember. I didn't really ah, know. Like- whatever. I don't think it was Charlie Murphy. Anyway, it's a great movie. I don't know why I was trying to like actually reminisce with you when you said you didn't like it. I love this movie.
1: <laughs> All right. What about number three? What's your number three?
0: Biodome naturally six sorry paulie shore again and Steven Oh right, right we've got two
1: paulie shores now there, is there any more paulie shore um no series? you know how
0: hard it was to not just put paulie shore movies on here because i was like encino man but like, nah i can't put that one too what about <laughs> in the, the army I'm now in the army now in the army now is the most serious of his comedy movies the only one that's more serious than that is um jerry duty i don't think jerry duty was serious <laughs> no, I, I meant for him <laughs> I didn't say it was. His comedy didn't really fit there in that one, though. Anyway, Biodome, based off a real-life experiment, exactly how it happened. Uh, His stoners (laughs) all of my movies are stoner movies, for the most part, uh, accidentally get locked inside of a science experiment in order to impress their activist girlfriends, which, actually, that's a weird caveat with these. Because you, for a lot of the part, 90s movies wouldn't fly these days. But at the same time, cancel culture, or at least like protesting stuff, was big in the 90s, like with PCU and mm-hmm. like this. There's like a lot of movies where that was like the center focus is like somebody was protesting a million different things or whatever. So I guess you know, things circle around. But anyway, so they get locked in and then they fall in love with two science chicks, which I don't even remember what they refer to them as. But it's almost along the lines as the princesses from, uh, Bill and Ted.
1: All right, so um, I guess what made this your favorite Polly Shore movie? What made it better than Encino Man or uh, In the Army Now or Jury Duty?
0: I only picked this because I put it on the list before I thought of Encino Man. Encino Man probably would be my favorite.
1: Yeah, but Encino Man, Poly Shore has such a small
0: part. I know, that's why it's not my favorite Pauly Shore movie, but I would have put that above this. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just love this movie. I don't even... I think the standout scene was the scene for me. My favorite scene is when they, they get locked in like the supply closet and they eat all of the food, which forces the science experiment to actually have to work then.
1: Well, I mean, they could have like hit the panic button and left, but yeah, they had to actually grow their own food and be like self-sufficient at that point.
0: Which they wouldn't have done in a fast enough time. What's your number three?
1: My number three is... Uh... Classic Friday from 1995. So, Ice Cube, oh, shit, I Chris Tucker, think about that one. John Witherspoon.
0: R.I.P. John Witherspoon.
1: Well, oh, R.I.P. Tiny Lister.
0: Did he have a cooking show on YouTube, though?
1: No, he was Debo and Zeus. I know. But Friday's got so many quotable lines in it, like, by Felicia, right? Everybody uses Bye, that Felicia. one.
0: Tastes so good, make you smack your mouth. That's that's Friday after next, isn't it?
1: I, I, you know, I don't really like the anything after the first one.
0: I didn't like the weird Christmas one, but Friday after next isn't bad.
1: But, you know, Chris Tucker was only in the first one and he was like, like a main component of it. So the fact that he wasn't in any of the other ones, they kind of replaced him with Mike Epps, who is funny, but not Chris Tucker funny. And it was just kind of everything about it got like really forced after that. There was something as over the top as the conversations and shit were in Friday, there was something about it. That just seemed like this is a day in, in this person's life.
0: He felt like he fit in that era, like in that where they lived, he felt like he grew up there or something like that would be him. Or Mike Epps doesn't seem like that's where he would have come from.
1: I don't know. Just so many quotable parts. Like when his mom won't let him in to take a shit. You remember that mama? And then like, she won't let him in. So he's like pooping behind the house or something. And the, the neighborhood thief walks by and he's like, Hey, everybody smoke. He's taking a shit. Like, but it also actually had some positive messages in it. Right. Cause at one point ice cubes, character Craig, I think he has a gun and he wants to like defend himself or shoot Debo or whatever.
0: Debo um, yeah, just got out of jail. He's like, going to come rob everybody. Like, that's just how he is. Everybody hides all their chains and shit. When he walks oh,
1: by, my grandmama gave me that chain. That's my favorite line. <laughs> because <laughs> when Craig finally fights Debo, he decides to like fight him you know, hand to hand and take his father's advice and like, stand up, and be a man. Even if you lose, you know, you, you, you can take pride in knowing that you tried. And I mean, eventually he does pick up a brick and hit Debo in the face with a brick. But like when he's laying there, that's when um, DJ Pooh comes back over and says, my grandmama gave me that chain and like punches him in the face and takes the chain. And of course the classic, you got knocked the fuck out. Like, come on.
0: Say, that was definitely from this. I was literally about to quote that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I think we can both agree that Friday is probably one of the best 90s movies, certainly one of the most quotable and just a lot of really memorable characters. Yeah, I remember um, that's my
0: number 1 now.
1: All right, so my number 2 and uh, it's kind of equal parts comedy and drama, but I think that's one of the things that really makes it work. Um, Chasing Amy from 1997.
0: Ah oh, damn, I hope you're going to pick the same Kevin Smith movie as me. Mine is also a Kevin Smith movie, so this is perfect. Chasing Amy, which I didn't even think about was in the 90s, is probably one of my all-time favorite movies.
1: It is the most, like, realistic relationship movies ever, because it just plays off of people's, like, insecurities and all the dumb fucking conversations people have. Like, it just, you get the impression that Kevin Smith experienced something and wrote it down, as stupid as it sounded, and it came out, it was beautiful.
0: That's what almost everything, all his movies have been based off of, like, either urban legends that he heard about growing up in New Jersey... Or something that did happen, like, around his circle. Because isn't there a reference to something about a pool? Like, something that happened in a pool in this one?
1: Oh god, I, mean, I haven't seen it in so long. I have, I have it on DVD. There's always
0: how... references to some weird New Jersey urban legend about some weird, gross thing that happened to somebody. This movie, again, I don't know if there's so many, like, the way this movie handles LGBT stuff, I It It
1: goes back and forth between being like really cool about it and being not so cool about it. But I think one of the reasons it would work today is because Ben Affleck's character, he like just doesn't understand lesbians.
0: He's trying to learn with the whole concept of it. But at the same time, it's a man trying to force a woman who is a lesbian into loving him. And he does it successfully for a small period of time. No, it's a little more complicated than that because it becomes more complicated. But at the beginning of the movie, that's all that the goal is. It's I'm going to make her like me. She's also bisexual though. But I don't but, think that they don't really say that right away in the beginning. She's just coming off like she's at lying. first.
1: It's it's well, I mean, it's not. If you look at it from like a not manipulative standpoint, it's like maybe maybe I can get her to love me even though I'm a guy. Maybe she'll just love me like for the person I am rather than what my sex organs nah. are.
0: If anything, like nowadays people would like tear it apart as being like some weird manly competitiveness that he needs to change this woman's sexuality for ego purposes. But then again, I don't know.
1: Well I mean the movie fully explores that though. It because
0: does. but know, I,
1: yeah.
0: Before we get too far past that, I, I still say, and I've told you this before, we've had whole conversations just about this one conversation that's Quentin Tarantino esque, uh up to like similar to the to the conversation about paying tips in, in Reservoir Dogs. But the scene where Banks, banky, Banksy? Uh, banky. Banky. Okay, I knew it was like a long night. When he is like sitting there explaining how he doesn't understand lesbians because everyone could use a good dick. He understands why dudes will take a dick.
1: And he understands everybody, everybody needs some deep dicking. That was the yeah.
0: He's like, I understand why guys like it, but I don't understand how a girl could not want it. Like, that whole <laughs> conversation is one of my favorite ones of all time. I wish I remembered the lines now because like back then we used to like quote it all the time. One
1: of my favorite scenes in this had nothing to do with like the movie at all. It was like the opening scene at the Comic-Con where Hooper X, like the only black character in the movie stands up during like a, like a panel discussion at a Comic-Con and starts like going on this rant about how Darth Vader was this beautiful ebony, like, uh, statue-esque perfect thing in star wars and then they ruined it by taking his helmet off and having him be a crusty old white dude
0: yeah this movie has a lot there's not a lot of movies that i force on my friends but this has always been one of them where i'm like have you never seen this well we're gonna watch this now because you need to see this Well, it's like over the top and goofy but there's something about it that's just like it feels grounded still
1: yeah it's emotionally intelligent it's well written and it like it's actually, like, a really solid portrayal of, like, human nature and stuff. Like, it, it I mean, does that well.
0: You're right. If, it, like, if you ignore, like, the weird parts where Ben Affleck's character is vaguely homophobic because he doesn't understand or even really want to learn about, like, what it means to be a lesbian, and you, you look at it from the points of views of, like, there's actually some good parts where it, it does, like, stand up for LGBT rights, but also in, like, the part you were just talking about, there's, like, other parts like that where people are, like talking about, like, civil liberties for, like, POCs, too, right?
1: Yeah, and, like, it, it's, it's actually a pretty, it, like... It, like,
0: hits on a bunch of those things. It's just, like, the main character's kind of dumb to all of it.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, like, that should stand today, because, like, it's weird when you watch a movie and, like, or a TV show and every character is accepting of, like, gay
0: people, like, King right King. off the bat. Yeah. And
1: it's, like, that's not real life. You're gonna meet people that are, like, well, that's not right. Well, the Bible, well, the... You know, and, like, for everybody to just be, like, yeah, let me uh, go get my rainbow flag out of my car it's not, like, conducive to how the world, like, on the whole operates. So, I mean, I think we still need movies like this because he's educating Ben Affleck's character actually educates the viewer as well. Yeah. Um, All right, what about you? What's your number two? Dogma. Oh, shit, I forgot about Dogma.
0: With uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Linda Florentine. Actually, thinking about it, Kevin Smith actually hits a lot of, like, touchy subjects, I guess. I never thought about it because it's always been, like, goofy comedies and you don't think about like the hidden meeting in them. Jason Amy's was a little more upfront, but this one it's like a, a little more setback. Cause it's, there's like a women's right aspects to it because it's, it's the main character is an abortion clinic worker or she works at an abortion clinic. I don't know if she's a, she is a doctor, right? Anyway. And apparently she is like a long descendant of Christ and she is called upon to save the world and the universe or all of existence from Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's characters who are like fallen angels who found a loophole that if they go through this one church a certain way without their wings on they can get back into heaven and it'll destroy everything or whatever.
1: Who's your favorite character in Dogma?
0: Shit monster.
1: Really? Mine's Buddy Christ. (laughs) Buddy Christ is just a statue. Yeah, but he had a lot of personality. Um, Did you know, I mean, I was reading something earlier um, about this. Apparently there was like a really depressing protest outside of a theater in Red Bank um, against Dogma, you know, like a religious group, but it was a very small number of people. So like Kevin Smith joined the protest and they didn't recognize him.
0: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Thanks. What's your number two? I did my number two. It's my number turn. one is Tommy boy. So <laughs> oh, uh, let's okay. just go back to you. All right. Well, my number
1: one, <laughs> since we're apparently topping off our list with Kevin Smith movies, my number one is clerks. Clerks from 1994.
0: Clerks, um, I like, but it's not my favorite Kevin Smith movie.
1: I think it's like the, I, I think I've talked about this before, but it's like the indie film. Like, it, it's just perfectly represents it. It's the idea of working on a really small budget. How many different characters can I have this one actor play? How can I make this work in the scope of like just this one room and this rooftop? And then there's like the funeral part, but they don't even film the funeral part because they couldn't afford it. So they just show them like running out to the car at, at the end. Um, uh, I think I read, I, I saw an, either an article or heard Kevin Smith talking about it once, but apparently like some critics started to like leave the, the showing of it. Cause they just weren't into it. And he was like, don't leave until you hear the number 37. Cause you remember that scene, right?
0: No, I don't. I mean, There's the I whole thing with Dante's
1: anything. girlfriend visits him while he's at the store and she brought him lasagna and they're laying behind the counter. There are no customers. And she's like painting his nails or painting her own nails or something. And they start talking about the number of people they slept with. And he was like, how many guys have you slept with? And she was like, just three, including you. And he was like, oh, she's like, what about you? He's like, 12. She's like, oh, look, Mr. Stud Muffin. And then like later in the movie, this other guy comes in and she goes, oh, that's Snowball. Like, what does that mean? Well, me and my girlfriend used to call him Snowball because he liked when, if you went down on him, he liked you to spit it back into his mouth afterwards. So we called him Snowball. And he's like, yeah, but that wasn't one of the guys you said you slept with. And she's like, I didn't sleep with him. I just went down on him. And he's like, well, I, let's be clear on what my definition of sleeping with somebody was. And then it turns into like this giant argument. And he's just like, how many dicks did you suck? And she's like 36. And he goes, holy fucking shit. Is that including me? And she goes, eh, 37. And then it turns into a big fight. She gets mad, you know. She's like, I didn't complain when you said you slept with 12 girls. And He's like, yeah, but 37 dicks. Oh, my God. And, you know, she, like, storms out. And he goes, try not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot. And then this guy, like, is leaning on the building, gets up and starts to follow her. And he's like, hey, you get back
0: here. (laughs) Okay, now I regularly remember that part. All
1: right, so we should wrap this up. But I just realized that we already forgot to mention our honorable mentions. But I should have gone before number one. So just to round it off, I have a couple things listed for my honorable mentions. Like, Evil Ed is a movie from 1995 about a, an editing guy who watches so many horror movies that he turns into a psycho murderer. Um, dead Alive, Very Bad Things, and really just Pauly Shore as a person, because they, it's, like a, it's a whole different genre of film. Like, Pauly Shore is its own subgenre.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, his character is, is always something bizarre.
1: So those are my honorable mentions.
0: All right. So mine, I got Film Ted's Bogus Journey. Naked Gun, the entire Naked Gun series. <laughs> Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Basically anything involving Leslie Nielsen, Mike Myers, Dave Chappelle, Will Ferrell, Chris Farley, or Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen's a weird one on there, but, you know, Hot Shots and Major <laughs> League. I think the, both those entire series came out in the 90s.
1: I did like uh, Major League.
0: I don't know why I didn't actually put it on my list, but I should have put Beverly Hills Ninja. Probably because I just watched it recently, and um, it's not, it's not the same.
1: I tried watching it, and it wasn't as good as I remembered.
0: And the movie Death Becomes Her. You ever see that one?
1: Yes, I have. Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, uh, Isabella Rossellini, basically no, wearing no shirt and a necklace, 1992. Fantastic movie with a very fun ending.
0: Don't know why I watched it
1: so many times as a kid. Probably because of Isabella Rossellini getting out of the pool with like her ass out, and it was the closest anything came to porn.
0: Maybe, maybe. I really like the scene where the person got shot. I don't remember which one, but the cannon...
1: Goldie Hawn gets shot. Just leaves a a giant hole in her head, like (laughs) on
0: backwards, right?
1: Well, no, no. Uh, Meryl Streeps had his on backwards after Bruce Willis sort of pushed her down the stairs.
0: I remember that scene, like, creeped me out, but also I loved it.
1: And you know what? The special effects for 1992 really weren't that bad. Like, they were, it was a good mix of practical and digital. All
0: right. So, this was another episode of this show.
1: All right. So, that was our top 10 list of the top 10 best comedies of the 1990s. Not the 1890s, not the 2090s, the 1990s.
0: Are we going to do this thing now? Where one of us makes a stupid joke and then we just, like, make fun of it for the rest of forever?
1: Basically. (laughs) So remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at beardedb roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, BeardedBroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions for topics at BeardedBroll at gmail.com.
0: Please email us topics because the shit that he comes up with. Time, 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 someone made a wish off an eyelash. I can't handle it.
1: I can't think of one time somebody made a wish off an eyelash, and you, sir, can send me topic ideas and suggestions through our email as well. (laughs) Goddamn.
0: I'm going to make a new email just to send weird ones. Why would you need it? You know,
1: yes, do that.